It's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 538 for May 20th, 2018, and I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Lupita Salazar. Welcome to the show, Lupita. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, Lupita was introduced to me by a woman named Lori Schindler. Lori is a teacher and tech coordinator for the visually impaired at the Los Angeles Unified School District. Lori and I have been friends for ages. We we meet up at CSUN and places like that. And she suggested Lupita because uh, Lupita is an avid Apple user and all-around tech lover geek who just happens to be blind. Is, is that a pretty good description? Yeah, pretty accurate. Before we go too far, people always whine when the audio isn't great, and there is a a, a bird like sound in the background. And and what did you say that that noise is? It, I'm so sorry. It's actually the smoke alarm. Um, the smoke alarm has been out of batteries for like six months now, and <laughs> so no you don't even hear it I anymore. To, yeah, no matter who I talk to, they ask. There it is. There it is. They ask me this question of what is that? So you know, if you put batteries in it, it'll stop making that noise, and you won't die in a fire. Maybe yes. I've been trying to convince my parents to do that for the longest time now. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's time to get a ladder out and get that bad boy done. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I just want to explain to people because people would surely say, does she have a bird? Because that's what I thought it was <laughs> at first. So I wanted to talk to you. Um, starting, I've uh, explained to Lori that I most of my audience, uh, most of my uh, guests, I should say, are quite a bit older than you are. Um, you're uh, in college right now. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm 22. I'm about to turn 23 in August. And this is my first semester of college. And I just finished it. Fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah, well, I'm pretty excited. So given that, what's, uh, when did you first, first meet Lori? Uh, where did she come into your life? Oh, my goodness. I must have been about six years old. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I must have been about six. And I had just uh, left, uh, I believe the school was called Marlton. And they were trying to send me to Francis Blend. And I, for some reason, did not like it. Uh, my mom had sent me there for about a, uh, about a week. And uh, she, I guess from her retelling, she said that I didn't like how much they uh, they babied me there. Oh, and so, yeah, they babied was, you because you were blind? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh. Um, so she wanted to send me to a school where there were a little bit more uh, higher functioning kids. Um, so she found Brooklyn Avenue School and she uh, heard about Machinler. To this day, I actually don't know how she how she heard about this place. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, I met Laurie. Um, I was in first grade and... She was just a wonderful teacher, man. Even from when we were in first grade, she just instilled this love of reading into, you know, all of her blind students. And apart from reading, she also, you know, instilled this love of technology, too. And um, we started off with, uh, you know, with a, I believe the first piece of technology I ever had would, would have been a, a Braille light. What's I don't a, know if you. No, I don't know what uh, that is. A braille light is kind of similar to a, a well, it's kind of like an apex in that it's a note taker, but it's very old. It oh my goodness, just thinking about that is just insane to me. Um, <laughs> it's it was I don't know it was a small little machine that you could do the most minimal things, but I mean it worked. But what I don't understand what it I don't know what an apex is either. What did an it, apex what did is it a do? braille note taker? It's so. The, current note takers that people use right now that, um, to write and read and go on the internet. 
But the Braille light didn't have um, internet capabilities, if I remember correctly. So it's something that you would type into uh, with Braille, and then you could read back with Braille, but you could also export, like, to make you know, printed documents? Yeah, it, okay. it was it was um, basically a Braille computer. Oh, okay. That was okay. the gist of it. That's pretty cool. I, I've told the audience before, but just in case anybody's listening who hasn't um, heard this story before... I became interested in assistive technology when I read a book called Follow My Leader about a young boy who is blinded and he learns Braille. And in the in the book, they had the Braille alphabet. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. It's like a secret code. I want to learn that. So I got a piece of cardboard and a punch and I, I made myself the Braille alphabet and I taught myself Braille and I was maybe 12 years old. I don't remember it anymore, but I remember thinking that was really cool because you guys had a secret code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what a lot of people think. I mean... I do remember, you know, being young, uh, you know, learning from Laurie. Uh, she tried to make it a big thing to include sighted people into, you know, learning Braille. And, oh. you know, some of those kids were very interested in it. Um, and we did. We went around every year. We would teach a few different classes in our school, you know, the alphabet. And it was well, you very, as kids would teach the, the non-blind the students, the sighted yeah. kids. How do you do? Oh, neat. Yeah, it was a very, very interesting experience. My goodness. That's a that's a great idea because you're you're like the superstars, right? Because you're teaching this secret code to the other kids. It, yeah, it was you know what? It was I remember thinking that it was just so weird because it's like everybody uh we would teach them and we would give them a brailler and a card with the alphabet um in braille and in print. And it was kind of neat because it's like they had to look to us for the answers rather than we having to look to them for once. Like it was pretty neat. I loved that. <laughs> she sounds pretty inventive in the way she, uh, she does teach you. So you started learning Braille at six years old. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. That's pretty much when we started uh, learning Braille, learning the alphabet, pretty much the same time that every other sighted person starts to learn to read and write. I mean, so is that normal for, for blind people when they're six years old, they start learning Braille? Does that happen for everybody? Unfortunately, no. Um, you know what? I feel that I got very lucky. And also, I mean, the students that Lori had, I, I believe that all of us got very lucky to, to have her as a teacher because unfortunately, a lot of teachers nowadays, they don't feel that, you know, teaching Braille is necessarily a good skill to have. There's all these technologies that have audio and they just blind students don't really feel the need to want to learn braille well that seems kind of weird that would be like not learning to read read <laughs> the uh, printed alphabet would isn't it you know honestly i i definitely agree with you i just i i am very passionate about you know students and just people in general um who need braille to to have that skill because it's just very it it is it's true if if these people grow up and you know somehow try and find a job well who's going to want to hire them they don't know how to read they don't know how to write you know listening to everything on audio isn't necessarily the greatest thing because even though you can listen to things maybe quicker it doesn't necessarily mean that you retain the information and it doesn't it it just it doesn't help you because it's not like you know how like, for example, punctuation. How are you supposed to know, like, oh, okay, well, this yeah. comma goes here, this period goes there. Like, it, it's uh, there's a study actually about this where um, it's said that 
when you don't learn how to read, um, people who try to write an essay or kids that try to write an essay, they well, obviously they wrote it really bad because they didn't know how to write or where things went. Oh, you, yeah. yeah, they were dictating everything and it just, um, yeah. I have a feeling I'm going to be a bo- broken record here, but it's like not being able to read and write because it's yes. not being able to read and write. It literally is not being able to read and write. That's wild. Yes. I have this argument with my boyfriend. Oh, my goodness. Constantly. He just he's one of the people that feels that Braille is not it's no longer necessary to today's technology. Hmm. Um, And I just I just strongly disagree with this because it's, you know, I just I don't understand why somebody would not want to know how to read. So do people who don't know Braille, if they want to write an email, for example, let's say they don't even have a job, they just want to send an email to somebody or write a t- send a text message, do they uh, just dictate? Is that how they do everything? Um, well, no, like, I, you know, you can learn how to use the keyboard, you can learn how to use the computer. I mean, most people that don't read Braille usually use some sort of, you know, screen reader, like they use JAWS or they use a Mac or NVDA for those that don't have jaws or can afford it um and they can type on a keyboard the question is well if you obviously if you don't know how to read or write how are you able to write that email correctly and cohesively like well can they can you learn uh you certainly could learn how to uh read and or how to write uh with correct punctuation and capitalization and everything using a regular keyboard couldn't you well you could I mean, and then they have they have auto correction and everything, but I just feel that it takes away from you know it takes away from your experience of you you just you have to so heavily rely on others and just everybody to tell you okay well this is correct or you have to rely on people to read stuff to you if you don't know how to read. I mean, right, 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 and being able to read i mean you can you can listen with uh with headphones and and things like that, but that's hard to do if you're in a in a classroom environment or something like that you're trying oh, you need definitely. to be able to read at the same time i I wonder this too like uh, people that are in college who obviously they who don't know how to read or or who utilize audio based uh devices, how is it that they can manage and function in in school because i mean I don't know a teacher that is okay with you using headphones throughout their class. So, yeah, I wonder I wonder about that. We talked a little bit yesterday getting ready for this and you talked about um that you feel that that the school system maybe over accommodates blind kids and doesn't hold them to high enough expectations in this area. Oh yeah. Definitely. I I feel that because there is so little regard to how somebody that is blind does something i feel that you know society is so lenient to people that can't see because they can't see so they don't you know there's all these you uh how do i explain this there's so many workarounds like for example you don't have to pass you know the kc if you don't pass you know if you don't get a certain grade like you don't have to do this because you're special ed or because you're blind like and that's that's such a terrible example to set so it's really a disservice not not a benefit it really is a disservice because um going into college unfortunately i see so many people that are blind who just coast through school with no real understanding or learning of what it is that they're actually doing and it just 
a lot of teachers, because they're blind, have this idea that, well, we're just going to pass them because we feel pretty bad for them. So, you hmm. know, it, I've I've seen more than a few people now that have been at uh, LACC for about more than 10 years. And it's very unfortunate because these people are smart. It's just a lot of people that are cited or just people in general don't give them the, you know, uh, the tools to. Yeah, the tools to really be able to help themselves and you know lacc is la community college so that's a school you would normally go to for maybe two or three years yes that's where you would go two three years you know to get your general education and see what you're going to want to transfer with and you know the the employment rate for blind people is just at a really all-time low like i believe it's like 90 something percent of people that are unemployed wow and that is terrible I do you know wish, do you know how you the know, statistics are for those who uh who know braille? I wonder if that Oh, I actually don't. That'd be uh that would I'm be a look pretty something interesting up while we're chatting. Yeah, so uh braille uh well, I'll have to look that off offline. I'm not coming up with a clever way to google that as we're talking. So so back with uh we'll we'll circle probably back into more stuff about braille but uh, you said Lori introduced you to technology with that Braille white. Um, did you Braille light? Oh, Braille light. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did uh, did, is that where you started to really like the tech itself? Um, I think so. I think when I started using the Braille light, I didn't. I um, I had I had heard about a Braille note before, which is basically another version of a Braille computer. Um, but I I do remember that. When she first gave me that, when she first, you know, lent it to me to take home, I was just all day, just the entire day, I was just there, just poking and prodding and seeing <laughs> what happens when I push this and what happens when I combine that. And um, I think I messed up a, a Braille note like that or a Braille device <laughs> like that a couple of times. But I mean, <laughs> I did learn from it, didn't I? And um, yeah, it was very interesting. It just that was my first experience with really just wanting to know if there were more things like that and what could they do and interesting so we when we were talking earlier uh she was she was saying that she uh that lupita was saying that she really just has to play with the tech and i was like you are so our people that is that's that's what the nocilla castaways are all about that's for sure (laughs) yep that's definitely me i just i have this bad habit of I see a new phone from Apple and I just, I want it just to see what it is. Like, I, I don't even want it because I need it. I want it because it's just, it's new technology and I want to see how it works in terms of, okay, well, I can't see. Does this, is this a cool thing to have? I mean, I did switch to Android for about a year to oh, uh, play around with it. Uh, also, because I, I just kept hearing a lot of people say that it was not accessible and, Actually, I was curious. I wanted to see for myself. And I mean, I did pretty well with it. The only reason I I really switched back was because um, Android doesn't have Braille screen input, which Apple does a wonderful job of, you know, implicating with their um, in their uh, keyboards. And um, I I really missed it. I really needed it for typing and stuff. So So how how does that work? Does the screen, do you you actually type Braille on the screen? So... How Braille screen input works is in settings, in under accessibility, there is a um a tab where you can add stuff to your rotor. And um 
Braille screen input is basically one of the rotor settings. And what it does is when you go into like a message or Safari or anything where you can type, you can turn your rotor. And basically what happens is your phone goes into landscape mode. And on the left side of your phone, uh, and the, on the left and the right side, you'll see it looks like a Braille keyboard because it has the dots one, two, three on the left and dots four, five, six on the right. And it it's not like anything pops up or anything, but if you know how to write Braille, you can type as if you're typing on a Brailler. Oh, interesting. And there's, yeah, there's a few ways of doing it. You can type it with, you know, type using like the screen facing away from you. You could type, you know, you could type oh. on almost like if you're on a tabletop. Um, so there's a few. Wait different a minute. The screen of- typing facing away for you. Wouldn't the letters be ba- the the numbers one two three and four five six be backwards? Actually, no. Um, that's how I type. But the screen facing away from me. That's because. Or you it turn it upside most- down. No, I I like the phone. How it would look. The volume buttons would be facing towards you. Okay. And then the home button would be facing to your right. And oh, you type with I the screen facing. Saying. Like if you're holding the phone. And the screen is facing away from you. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you're just saying I, how, you're, how the phone is rotated up. Okay. Yes. And I do that because it feels the most natural to type that way. But if you have, for example, an iPad, you would tape, you would type <laughs> with the, um, the, the tabletop mode, which is you put the iPad directly on the table. And that makes it feel like you're actually typing on a, on a tablet, like on a Brailler or something. So I, I'm going to back you up some because you used a word that um, I'm sure 95% of the people don't know what it is. And even though I've studied this a bit, I've never understood it. What is the rotor? What do you mean when you say rotor? Okay, so the rotor, it's like imagine if you're, it basically, it's like imagine if you're holding a doorknob and you're turning the doorknob. Um, is it something on screen that, that it, you turn yes, your fingers on screen? You twist on, it or something? Yes, you. it's. It's an it's an action on the screen where you can put you put two fingers on the screen kind of slightly separated and diagonal from each other and you twist right or left kind of like you're twisting a doorknob and it changes the gran- um granularity of the of the uh the phone so like you can go word by word character by character line by line and with uh with the rotor you can um it, you know, you can use that for a lot of different stuff. You can add a lot of stuff to that rotor. So I, th- I think a, an analogy uh, for old people like me, in the old days, our ovens had dials on them, and you would turn the dial from bake to broil to, uh, you know, I don't know what the other options are, yeah. or like on, a, like on a washing machine, you turn the thing and it goes to these different features. And so once you get it into one of those modes with the rotor, then you, you're not talking to the rotor anymore. Now you'd be talking to the Braille uh, keyboard on screen? Pretty much, yeah. Depending so, on what the what uh, action you're trying to do with the rotor. Because depending on what it is, like, for example, if you switch it to words, um, when you swipe up and down with one finger, the, the screen, the voice, the screen reader will be reading to you word by word. Yeah, it and does so that. That's really annoying. I, when I've experimented, I get it to do that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to take me all day. I'm going to be I have carpal tunnel from swiping my finger. You don't have to do that, though. You can swipe left and right and you can read, you know, you can flick through the different items on your screen and stuff without, you know. Okay. A sentence. So, so um, what, what do you need a, a, well, 
<laughs> Let's see. I'm, I'm gonna. I think I might have just answered my question. You guys have these devices called Braille displays, and that's different than what we're talking about. We're talking about Braille input right now, correct? So a Braille display, well, Braille screen input is only on on your phone. It's only an Apple thing right now. Unfortunately, I wish it was on every tablet, but they don't have it yet. Um, but Braille screen input that's with Apple. Um, Except for Macs, of course. I don't know. Um, but Braille displays, it's pretty much, depending on what type of Braille display you're talking about, but mostly the function of a Braille display is just you can connect it to a phone or a computer or whatever have you, and whatever's on the screen will come out in Braille. Um, hmm. But some people use Braille displays. They're a little more intensive, so you can use them as a computer because it comes with... Uh, Kind of like the Braille note. Sorry, I turned voiceover on because I wanted to try it. <laughs> and I tried to mute it beforehand. It wouldn't mute. Sorry, say oh, that again. Okay. I, wanted to, I wanted to see the rotor and see the Braille come up, but I should stop trying to pay attention. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm you're too so much curious. like you, aren't I? I know. <laughs> I know. You're trying to figure it out. I love that. That's really cool. Um, the, the Braille displays, though, that's pretty much a Braille note taker. Um, it's kind of like how I was talking about the Braille note and the Braille light. That's a version of a Braille display. Well, but that's what confuses me. You guys call them displays, but then you call it a note taker. So is it a a keyboard and a display all in one Um, piece of hardware? So the difference is a Braille note taker. It's more like it has a calculator, a timer, a clock. It has all this different stuff that you could do on a regular computer. Okay. But it has at the bottom of it, it has the Braille display installed into it. Um, a regular, like a Braille display, like what you would call an actual Braille display, is just a display with the keys, but it that's all it is. It's just a Braille display. It doesn't have like a word processor or anything like that. You have to connect it to a computer or a phone or something. Okay. Whereas a note taker, you don't have to do that. Okay, but if we're looking at a display, and so for the sightlings amongst us, um, what she's talking about is a, it, it, I would have called it a keyboard, but it's actually got these cells, which each have six dots, and these little tiny things poke pins. up. These pins poke up, and there'll be, you know, the upper two on the left and the upper one on the right, and that means a certain letter. So you run your fingers across it and can can read. So they call it a display because it's it's reading to you as though you're looking at a at a display. But but a Braille display doesn't have a way of also inputting into the computer to, to input using Braille typing? Well, yes, it does. Like you can, it has the Braille keyboard. So you could type like if you're typing, if you're connecting it to a phone, what it doesn't have, what if you're just calling it a Braille display, what a Braille display won't do for you is it won't like. It won't, it doesn't have a braille process, like it doesn't have a word processor. It doesn't have a way for you to actually create a document and, yeah. But it it does have, when you say a display, you really mean something with a keyboard and a display usually. Yeah, usually that's what it is. Although there are some that don't have the, don't have the keyboard that's just a braille display. Although not many people make those anymore. So it seems to me that if you had a, a computer or let's say you had an iPhone only and you were blind you could you could type in Braille because you've got the Braille uh, input. Screen input, yeah. This Braille screen input. And then I guess you would read just by listening, though. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, you would. 
But that's where a Braille display comes in. If you don't want to listen to voiceover talk all day long, you could <laughs> pair a phone to a Braille display with a Bluetooth and you could pretty much navigate your phone using the Braille display. So why doesn't everybody have Braille displays? <laughs> Not many people have Braille displays because they are extremely out of the just extremely expensive and unfortunately you know department of rehab doesn't always pay for people to have that luxury of having a braille display or a note taker um you know most department of rehabilitation places will happily give you a windows computer and say okay well you can use that and be happy with it but unfortunately that's not always the best thing because you know somebody like me for example i can't I can't always just listen to Jaws or the voiceover, read everything because I need to see what I'm doing or I'll fall asleep. <laughs> and, and I know, I know I'm not the only one because I know that there's a few people that also have told me the same thing. And, you know, I wish, I wish there was a braille display out there that was a, affordable. Cause I mean, you know, you have to think most blind people that, I mean, are out here doing any of this stuff are on social security. So, of course, how are we supposed to afford $1,000, $3,000, $5,000 Braille displays or Braille modes? We can't afford that. Yeah. So at CSUN, I have been seeing people trying to come out with less expensive Braille displays. That is a, a thing. Unfortunately, uh, it's, a, it's a small market, so usually that causes prices to go up. That's the one thing. But it's also mechanically difficult to build something as precise as a Braille display. But again, if it was in vast quantities, if they were able to make, you know, a billion of these a month or something, you know, somebody could make them a lot cheaper. So it's kind of well, a it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy in some ways. I do know that from experience, I, I recently joined a program um, through the Braille Institute, um, the Braille Institute in Los Angeles, right here on Vermont. Um, they have a they had a program running for a little bit where you could get a braille display from humanware it was the new 14 cell braille display so what it is it's pretty much like it's 14 cells and it's it's very small it's about this a little bit bigger than an iphone probably like an iphone plus okay it, it looks similar to that kind of like just a little bit wider a little bit bigger and um obviously you know you can just you can connect it to your phone and everything but um, the reason that they wanted to self-test or give us this program or let us test these out was because uh, Braille Institute was actually trying to come up with a way or with the money to see if they could um, potentially give their patrons um, Braille displays like for school in case, you know, they didn't have a Braille note or any way of like, you know, reading or writing for school. And, you know, they'll give you this Braille display for as long as you want to keep it, but you have to tell them you know, whether it works or not, or what do you think of it? And you, huh. pre you pretty much have to keep them in touch. And I wish more people would have known about this program because not very many people got Braille displays, oh. but I suppose they kept it. They did it for a reason because they only were able to get like 20 or something like that. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think I look in at the that future, one, it's about a thousand dollars normally. Yeah. Yeah. But it, you know what? It's a lot cheaper than a regular 32 cell braille display or a 40 cell braille display like it's plausible to be able to afford something like that 
Yeah, um, I, I'm looking it, at the forty, uh, the forty cell by Enable Mart here. Eight, oh, it's Hims. It's uh, twenty five hundred dollars. Now, why yeah. do, why does it matter how many cells there are? Um, it matters because it it's like, what are you using it for? Like, for example, the fourteen cell Braille display. That's more for people that are on the run and they're just trying to, you know, take little notes here and there and read little things here and there. A 32-cell Braille display and above, like 32, 40, that's more for somebody who wants to sit and use a Braille display to read a book or, you know, do you use it for school and use it for, you know, bigger things um, for the computer or something like that. So is it sort of like only being able to read two or three words at a time? Pretty much. Okay. With the 14 cell, anyway. With the 32 and 40 cell, you've got more of a sentence on there. Okay. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yep. Well, that's that's interesting. So now today, so you were an iPhone user, then you experimented with uh, Android, then you came back home. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so do you use a Mac or do you use a PC today? You know what? I used to use a PC readily, like almost exclusively. And now I just, I don't even use it at all. Um, I have a MacBook Air, uh, 13 inches, and I recently got it. Um, I believe it was in February, actually. Man, I've been t- I've been wanting a Mac for years now. I wanted one since like I was in high school, and finally, uh, when I started college, I convinced my parents to let me have one, and they they bought me one, and I've been using it ever since. Although I could definitely improve at using it, but. I yeah, I mostly just use a Mac now for everything because it's just so easy. I mean, you have it connected to your iPhone right there. It it just it works. So <laughs> you've been listening to the Steve Jobs Kool Aid of it just works, right? <laughs> so so on on Windows, did you uh, for the for the listeners, Jaws is a very expensive program you can buy for Windows uh, that's a screen reader. Um, Windows is coming along a fair ways in what they've done in terms of the built-in screen reader, though. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I use I use DAWs. Well, I have DAWs, but I mostly use NVDA if I'm gonna use Windows because it's free and um, it's free. <laughs> <laughs> can't beat that, right? Yeah, can't beat free. So, um, how how was the learning curve switching over to the Mac and Voiceover instead of using? NVDA? Oh my goodness! It you know for somebody that has only ever used Windows and Braille Notes and just Windows based products. It's honestly, it's kind of, it's kind of annoying, but <laughs> there's something that I learned from using Android, which was you have to exclusively only go to that. You can't, you know, because things are easier, you can't just go to Windows and be like, okay, well, I'm going to use Windows today. And like I need go to get something and, done. Yeah. Um, I pretty much just stuck to the Mac and just pretty much learned it. And um, it's kind of weird because now trying to go back to Windows, the, the, it feels weird. Like it feels bulky almost. Like, <laughs> interesting. So, yeah. So it's sort of like trying to learn uh, any kind of language, right? Is is yeah. if you go to France and live in France, you're going to learn French a lot faster than if all day long you speak English and then for an hour a night you go to a class and speak it there. Pretty much, yeah. You did immersion, right? <laughs> yeah, I did. So has uh, how has Braille influenced your use of technology? What what has that done for you? Well, it's definitely everything like braille is goes hand in hand with technology for me um because i mean without braille i don't think i would be typing as quickly i mean i would definitely 
you know, I, I use Braille screen input every single day in my daily life, you mm. know, and that that is I'm I'm very impressed with Apple at the fact that they even thought of doing something like this um, for their blind users. It's just it's incredible. But um, I I use my phone. I use my Braille note. Um, I have a 14 cell Braille display from Humanware, so I connect that to my phone. So for me, Braille goes hand in hand with technology every single day. So do you find, um, how do you find websites in general for accessibility for you? Because of Braille, are you able to, to access more? Um, or is it not, not an effect on that? It does kind of affect it, sort of, but there are websites, I think uh, websites and accessibility have come a long way, but they still definitely have a long way to go. You know, there's been many, many times when I've just been trying to do something and it's been unaccessible because, you know, a lot of people don't know about accessibility or don't choose to find out how they can, you know, make things accessible for the, for everybody. And, um, it's just, it's sometimes I just had a recent encounter actually with a, a website. I was trying to unlock a AT&T phone and AT&T's own website <laughs> is actually kind of unaccessible. Hmm. Um, and it's kind of weird because see they 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 always talk about accessibility and how great they are at accessibility and it's you know what they have a long way to go. Um, I tried I tried to unlock a phone and actually I had to. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Era, but no, uh-uh. oh Aria Aria Era Ira Ira. Yeah, uh, it's the smart glasses that you can call somebody. Oh, that, that's it. Yeah, sorry. There's two different things. Aria is the uh, is the the stuff you use in HTML to help make websites more accessible. Uh, the one you're talking about, yeah, is the glasses that you can call somebody and the, and they'll tell you what you're looking at. Yeah, that's Ira. I had to I had Ira. to use them to pretty much help me get navigate the website. Wow. And it was it was an interesting experience because I learned how to use a mouse as a blind person, but. Oh, so they would um, say to the left, to the left. No, no, no. Up, 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 up. Yeah, okay. pretty much. You have to you have to wear the pair of glasses and look at the computer. And they're like, okay, well, we need you to drag your finger up, not to the right, to the left. Okay, a little down. Like, it's oh, pretty much like that. It is very interesting, actually. Um, now, do you I, feed back was, to the to the webmaster? Do you feed back to him and say, hey, bozos, get it together, I, I make try. this accessible? I, <laughs> yeah, a lot of us try. Sometimes it works. Most of the time it doesn't. Yeah, but just to let very, you know, I do. <laughs> that's good. That's really good. The more people who can actually, you know, give feedback, the more, you know, they'll realize that we're, hey, we're out here. Hello. Like, so. Yeah. The thing I notice the most is when somebody will do a, a graphic and have a bunch of words on the graphic and it's it's just a oh PNG or a JPEG. And it's like, why would you, why would you do that? Yes, or, I oh, I, I forget who it was. It was something where you the most important thing about this website was to get the schedule and they had printed it to PDF and embedded it in the website and it wasn't uh, uh, they hadn't done OCR oh, wow. on the P- PDF so it wasn't text it was just graphical and I was just like <laughs> what do you, are, do you just hate people why would you do that that's actually harder yes. than doing it you could have made a little <laughs> table and shoved it in there that would have worked I know Twitter has this problem too um, there's a lot of gifts on Twitter and these weird little images that don't say what the heck they are. And it's just, it drives you crazy when you go through somebody's username 
And only to find out that all they did was put a GIF and you don't know what the hell it, it says. <laughs> I can't imagine how. I'd, I'd be firing off angry emails all day, every day. Right now, I only do it like every three days, but I'd be all day, every day if that was happening to me. That would really drive me crazy. Yeah, I really wish there was a way for Apple, because I know Android has this, where if an app is not accessible in the first hour or so, you can return it and um, they'll refund your money. Hmm. But I, I just, I wish iOS had the same thing because you know, I would, been... there, there is a way to return apps. I would absolutely oh. just go. Yeah, I forget exactly where it is, but there is a way you can say. I think you go into your purchase history on iTunes, and then in there, if you go to purchase history, you can say report a problem or whatever, and you can say, look, it's not accessible, and I'm blind, and I, I'm positive they'll give you your money back. Oh. Because I've done that. Uh, I had trouble with my Apple TV was had its panties in a bunch for about a year where I would try to play a movie <laughs> and it would say, OK, I'll, I'm buffering. I'll be back in seven hours. And uh, I eventually found out a trick uh, to, to fix the problem. And it's one of my most uh, clicked links in, in you know, my Google foo on that one's really high. Uh, but anyway, I would what I'd do is every week I would try to rent a movie and then it would fail and I would go to Apple and say, this failed, give me my money back. And I did it every week for like six months because then I would flip over to, to Amazon and buy it there and it would work fine. So uh, I wow. know you can do it and I know you can do it a lot. So Did just, they eventually fix it? Uh, no, it, it was actually, it wasn't any problem with the service. It was this bizarre way to reset the Apple TV that was required. So there's a, you can unplug your Apple TV and that'll re, you know, restart it. And there's also a restart on screen, but there's a trick where it's like a cheat code on a Game Boy kind of thing. It's like, it's like, you know, down, down, left, right, up and, and press the power button for three seconds. And it does yeah. this new kind of reset and that's what fixed it. Wow. I, I get I get love letters probably two or three times a month. And it was probably five years ago that I wrote this, but I get love letters all the times about people going, I'm a hero. My family loves me again now. Thank you for posting this. Link. <laughs> wow. I mean, if you don't have the problem, which is 99% of people, it's fine. But if this happens to you, uh, you know, I've got the solution to that one. Wow. So uh, what other, what other tech do you like? What kind of gadgets um, are you into? You know, I've just, I really like, just different things here and there. Um, I am trying to mess around with a Kindle Fire from Amazon. Oh, interesting. Um, it's okay. I, I don't think I would really buy it again. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you live and you learn, huh? Right, right. Yeah. Um. So I've been messing around with that. Uh, my boyfriend actually has a, uh, I believe it's a PS4. Oh. And it has a, it has voice view on it, or I don't know what it is, but it has its own, uh, its own screen reader and it's pretty interesting to mess around and like i didn't know or i never would have thought that they would make any of these consoles accessible for a blind person because i mean why would they like i don't know because you want to play games just like anybody else does <laughs> <laughs> i know and it was very interesting i like messing around with that and um i oh, just been cool yeah i've been trying to see if i buy an iphone x because i want to mess around with that because i have an iphone se Oh, okay. Um, That'll be a big size change for you. Yeah. The, I, you know, I'm very curious to see, because I have fake eyes. Oh, so yeah, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how Face ID works with someone whose eyes are not real or who can't really keep their eyes open. So, like, this will be interesting. So there, there's actually two modes for Face ID. There's an attention mode, 
And that's for people who have eyes that can look at it. And then you could, but you can also turn that off and then it's just recognizing your face. Really? Yeah. So they've actually huh. taken that into account as people with fake eyes. I mean, talk about Apple narrowing down, right? And saying, well, these people need to use it too. So we're going to make this work. I know. That's very interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you'll be, you'll be able to use Face ID. Absolutely. You'll, you'll probably have to turn off uh, attention. I mean, especially if your eyes are closed, that would, there's no question you'd have to turn it off. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely very interested. I don't know if you've, well, going back to Ira, um, they're coming out with these new smart glasses called the Horizon Smart Glasses. And it's supposed to be a modification of their, the regular glasses that they have, except now it has an AI. And oh, so, she, okay. like, if you ask her, hey, Chloe, what is this? Like, she'll tell you, okay, this is, um, uh, in front of you is a bottle from CVS or something. And it's really cool because now you don't have to waste so many of your minutes calling an agent. But it still lets you call an agent, though. So, so I, I did a segment on this just recently at CSUN. There were several companies with devices like that, with glasses, with little... Uh, things that you clip on existing glasses, like, a, I don't know, it was maybe an inch and the a half. The Orcam? Yeah, yeah. I actually have one of those. Um, oh, what do you think I'm of trying it? To, I'm trying to get the wireless one because right now I have the wired one and I, I'm not a big fan of it whatsoever. What about, um, so So this clips to your glasses or to a pair of glasses and then it, uh, what so can it do? What it is, the wired one um, is basically, you have a device in one hand it's about the size and length of an iPhone, I guess I would say. And um, it has a trigger button, which you can use to take pictures, and the volume buttons. And so you have that, and then you have a pair of glasses, and on the right side of your glasses, there's like a little camera perched com kind of like where your nose is at, kind of. Oh. And um, yeah, it's kind of, it's like on the right side. It's like kind of on the bridge of your nose, kind of. And it's a pretty small camera and um, you can face or like you can hold a piece of paper up to it um, with one hand. And, you know, you can either there's different uh, commands that you can do where you don't have to push the trigger button to take a picture where you can point at something and it'll, you know, automatically take a picture for you. Um, but the gist is that you can take a picture of something and it'll read it to you. And it's got this ninety nine point nine percent accuracy or accuracy or something like that. Um, but it also recognizes uh, money, colors, um, face recognition actually. But that that one needs some work. <laughs> so I I did a segment on after I saw that on the um, there's an app for Microsoft and the name is escaping me right now. Is it called My Eyes? Be My Eyes? No, yeah, that's what I'm getting mixed mixed up with. It's not Be My Seeing Eyes. AI? Seeing AI, yeah. So seeing AI allows you to take a, your phone, not carrying a separate device, not wearing glasses with a camera on it, and just point at something and it'll do stuff like that. Pretty much. Um, yeah, there's seeing AI, there's KNFB Reader. There's a few apps now out there that do all this stuff, but... But isn't that a lot know, easier than having to wear something on your head? I mean, you've already got really your phone. To be honest with you, no. And the reason why I say no... It's because if you've if you've never been able to see before, it's just to me it's like I don't know how to take a picture. Like I can point at something and take a picture of it. It doesn't necessarily mean that it comes out great. And having this um the wearable technology like the 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 Ira especially, 
it's very neat because somebody's like telling you, okay, well, turn this way, turn that way. Oh, yeah, the the one with the assistant, but but that's we were kind of kind of. I was trying to compare oh, it to the, the Orcam the my eye. Yeah, um, the Orcam. Like I actually prefer the Orcam to the Seeing AI or the KNFB reader because it's got more accuracy, and you don't okay. have to like try and align your phone to or align your your face to a paper it's like you're picking up a piece of paper and like reading it like if you could see it um mm. i just i mean i just think that you know having a phone if you've never seen before how are you supposed to correctly and accurately take a picture so when in my experiments with uh seeing ai i have my blindfold from when i did my blindfolded presentation at, at macworld quite a while ago i kept it so i put it on and i played around with what i'd be able to use like they've got a barcode scanner so you get a box and you don't know what's in the box cuz you can't see so you just hold the you you put um seeing ai into uh the barcode scanning mode and I could have it upside down, diagonal, all kinds of crazy positions. I didn't have to line it up, and it did great. And then I found that I really struggled with the barcode reader. Really, um, from trying it out, I just I spent almost twenty minutes trying to look at one box, and I could not figure it out. And I tried. I wonder different if it didn't things. have a barcode. Yeah, I did try different things, and I have never successfully been able to use the barcode reader. Interesting. With different things, I I know I've tried things that have barcodes and. I wonder if I was cheating. I wonder if I like went, oh, I know it's kind of like this. I wonder if I did that. I but mean, I, when you have sort of an idea of where things are, it definitely helps you. Like sure. you just don't know where the bar is. It's like you're flying or, blind. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> That's a funny joke. <laughs> the uh, the other one was, was like uh, being able to read a piece of paper and it gave me a lot of feedback. That one I definitely did oh, without that one with I the did blindfold. Yeah, yeah that one I did. The short text is pretty good. The one where you have to actually align the phone to actually get the picture. Mm-hmm. That one I had more trouble with, but, but the short text was pretty nice. Okay. I was also shocked that it could read handwriting. I mean, that blew oh, me yeah. away. That was, I know. I, I, I got a, a really weird response from it. I, it kept saying some words that I didn't, I couldn't understand what it was, what it was doing. And because uh, it, like it kept throwing, it was reading my handwriting and it kept throwing the word command in the middle of it. And so I, and I, I get, what, what, where is it getting command? Cause I had a blindfold on, right? I took it off and I had put the, uh, my handwritten text right under my keyboard. It was reading the command key. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and it said like, that's the kind of thing you would not be able to figure that out. Right. I was only able to figure it out. Cause I looked down at my keyboard and said, Oh, it's reading my keyboard to me. Wow. So that's interesting. So having it on your head it's more natural to face your face towards something, even though you haven't ever seen. Yeah, I think That's so. Definitely. That's really interesting, isn't it? That not having seen, it's still more natural for you to point your, your face towards something. Yeah. To I guess you hear that way, right? Yeah. You look towards things that you can hear. Yeah, most definitely. What? Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. Well, this has been really cool, Lupita. I've really enjoyed talking to you. And, um, I, I have a feeling we'll be in touch for a long time. Uh, Lori has a, a habit of bringing people together and connecting them and getting interesting things to happen. I know I owe her so much, man. She's just, she's been exposing me to different people, different situations with technology. And I'm very grateful to her for that, especially right. because I'm trying to, you know, um, major in something with assistive technology. Um, I know that CSUN definitely has a program for, uh, assistive technology and i'm trying to look into that too 
Oh, so, yeah, yeah. So for yeah. people who don't live around here, CSUN is uh, Cal State University of Northridge, but we've referred to the conference as CSUN. It's CSUN's Assistive Tech uh, Conference. People shorten it to CSUN. So that's why we're interchangeably using those two words. And we know what we mean, but for everybody else. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been really cool. If anybody wanted to contact you or follow you, would, uh, follow what you do, what would be the best way to find you? Uh, you can email me. Um, my email is very interesting. It's loop the loop three one at gmail dot com, and the way you spell that is l o o p t h e l o o p three one at gmail dot com. Um, and my Twitter gets at queen of the c thirty one. Great, great, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been fascinating talking to you. Uh, really enjoyed uh, learning yeah, thank from you. Thank you for having me. Very good. All right, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Bye bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This show is not supported by ads. It's supported by you. If you learn from the show, or even if you're just merely entertained by the shows, please consider supporting the show. If you go to podfeet.com, there's a big red button in the top banner that says support the show. If you click it, that will reveal to you several ways to contribute. You can pledge a monthly amount using Patreon. You can use the Amazon affiliate link for your country. You can make a one-time donation using PayPal, or you can record a listener review, which is an awesome way to contribute. You can always chat directly with me via Twitter at Podfeet or email me at allison at podfeet.com. You can join the conversation in Facebook by going to podfeet.com slash Facebook or on Google Plus at podfeet.com slash Google Plus. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.